the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, J.I. Packer on six things you should tell yourself every day. And then we're going to take some time around the social media water cooler. An inspirational commencement speech from Denzel Washington. And later, six things you can do to grow more confident now. You're listening to The Common Good. friends, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us. Aubrey, it's finally Wednesday. You have it's called final- every day Wednesday <laughs> this you. week. Thank you. I have called every day Wednesday this week. I probably will continue to, but today is officially Wednesday. Something big's going to happen today because I've had my mind on Wednesday. So I'm excited to see what unfolds today. Oh, you think that was for a reason? Like, you're, <laughs> like you, it, your intuition it's not, was. It is not my insanity. It is my intuition. <laughs> I had a moment the other day where I, I uh, my son looked at me with a kind of bewilderment, like, well, you're crazy. I said to my son the other day, go, <laughs> out of the blue, you'll appreciate this, okay, with no hear. context at all, we're driving in the car. And I said to my son, sometimes I think I'm psyched. <laughs> what did and he say to that he just looked at me like what like, okay and dad my whole premise was i sometimes get a gut feeling about whether our favorite baseball team is going to win or lose and oftentimes it's right <laughs> maybe you're prophetic maybe you have like a like you are a little bit psychic i did i said but, i said sometimes i think way. i'm psychic he looked way. The Bible way is prophetic. Yeah, you're prophetic. <laughs> the, the Jersey Shore boardwalk way is, uh, is psychic. So uh, anyway, we're glad to have you with us today. Hey, yesterday was a, uh, an important show for us and a special show as we spent some time with our friends right. from Food for the Poor as we continue to raise money to help provide much-needed food in the Ukraine. And if you still want to give, for every dollar you give provides four meals you could do so by going to 1160hope.com and click on the Help Ukraine banner. Some really good stuff going on there by Food for the Poor. All right, Aubrey, I told you this off air. I even said, tell me if you want to talk about this. Sometimes the best show fodder for me, the best things to talk about or the things I want to talk about are just when I read things that make me angry. <laughs> and where I feel dissonance. angry Brian. <laughs> And not not like personal anger, but just where I read here, I'll put it this way. When I read something online or on Twitter or something where I go, I think they're wrong. I want to talk about this. You and I have a radio show where we could talk about these things. That's right. It, we do they have gave that us outlet microphones <laughs> for now. And so uh, I was over at the Washington Post. And this is why I think this is important to talk about. The Washington Post, you may not know this, is not a small publication. This <laughs> I've is heard of it. <laughs> one of the biggest newspapers in the country, right? You got the New York Times, maybe the LA Times, yeah. the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. And you've got the Washington Post. So this isn't my point in bringing this up is what I'm about to share with you is not some fringe blog. Mm. It's not some just Twitter rant. And I was at the Washington Post kind of getting ready for the show. Yeah. 
And there was an opinion piece written by Brian Broom entitled White Supremacy Leads to More Violence. And so Mm. a lot of this is being written, right? The genesis of this is what happened in Buffalo the other day. And it's awful. It's tragic. And you read the things that this 18-year-old – Aubrey, this 18-year-old wrote a 180-page manifesto. Mm, It's awful. And it is – it is evil. It is dripping with uh, not just white supremacy, but replacement theory. Yeah, uh, all everything bad, right? And yeah. he was yes, he was undoubtedly targeting African Americans. Yeah, in his manifesto, period. he said yes. he went to this grocery store for that reason, but he was talking about going to churches and schools because quote there would be more African Americans there. Oh, like goodness this gracious. is what he was doing, and so yeah. I wanted to read this article. To just try to get the perspective. Like, what yeah. is this? Is an African American writing? He's an African American yeah. activist. Yeah. I literally went to this article to learn, right? right. To right. kind of open my. Right. Halfway through this article, because you might be wondering, well, why'd the article make you angry? Yeah. Halfway through this article, the entire article shifts and he says, I'm basically quoting from my memory here, he okay. says that. He now takes the Supreme Court abortion debate right now and, quote, says the only reason that these justices are are worried about abortion and are trying to overturn abortion is to uh, is to save, quote, white babies and preserve whiteness. Yeah. And he links race Mm. And the abortion debate. Yeah. Basically, you yeah. read this, and again, I need to point out this is in the Washington Post. Right, right. Like mainstream newspaper, well read newspaper. You walk out of this opinion article and say yeah. this. If you're pro-life and you're excited about what could be happening in the Supreme Court, right. you're a white supremacist, you're a racist, you're right. only doing this to quote unquote save white babies i will parenthetically say it's interesting that he's calling the babies uh <laughs> when we know that if abortion were to be curbed and go away it is primarily or not, uh, the majority or the largest number of mm-hmm. babies who are going to be saved are actually african-american yep. babies yeah yep. and aubrey this uh, this infuriated me for a couple of reasons yeah. but one of it is it takes the the focus off what the focus should be yeah, you're like totally right. The Brian. evil of, and violence of white supremacy and yes. what happened in Buffalo. Yes. And when you then read where he takes it with it, you just go, I'm not going to listen to anything this guy has to say. Right, when really, right. the first article, and I, I, I feel like all around our culture, both sides, everywhere, mm-hmm. we do this. We go, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to take this and now make this point. I don't know. I, I was actually surprised how much this riled me up today. And a part of it is because I feel so passionate about the pro life movement. Right, but I want to be right. like, I am not pro-life for racism. In fact, right. I think it's, it actually right. is anti-racist to be pro-life. But yep. anyway, when yep. I tell you that whole story and that this is at one of the top three newspapers in the country, mm-hmm. what do you think? What should I be thinking about this? Yeah, no, I think you're right, Brian. And I, I've heard this argument before. Like I've read a few articles in a few books where I, uh, that kind of leap is made that uh, – pro-life is specifically like a white issue protecting white babies but i i think that that author is totally totally 
missing what pro-lifers would say they stand mm-hmm. for. And, and I just don't think it's a fair jump. I really don't. I, Because you're right. Like when we, well, you know, at least anecdotally, when you and I talk about us being pro-life, we believe in the dignity and value of all children, that's every right. children everywhere. And so that's why we're so passionate about that issue is we long to see every single one of those babies, no matter tribe, tongue, race, ethnicity, et cetera, skin color, et cetera. We want to see those babies live and thrive and flourish and make a difference in this world. And so I, he's just not right, frankly. Mm. And unfortunately, because the the white supremacy we see in our nation, and it is deeply rooted in our nation, and this violent act in Buffalo is just one example of how rooted it is. It is evil, and we need to denounce it. We need to decry it. We need to stand up against it publicly. We need to go to our, our public leaders and say, enough is enough is enough is enough is enough. We need to go before Lord the Lord and say, how long, O oh Lord? Like, we need to lament this and repent of it and stop it. But then to make this connection... Unfortunately, it does for those of us who are pro-life all the way, part of our pro-life stance like is actually pro-life for babies, mm-hmm. also pro-life uh, anti-racism. And mm-hmm. so it's unfortunate he couldn't see that the two could go hand in hand and actually really benefit each other. Yeah. And I guess I appreciate you saying that. I I guess for me, the fact that this is at the Washington Post, like if I had Mm. just found this at some random blog through Twitter, you could be like, okay, like that's crazy. But the fact that things are being said like this at the Washington Post makes you go, what what are we doing? Like we have to be able to have adult conversations because here's what happens when people read that who are pro-life and go, but I don't believe in what they end up discarding everything mm. this guy has to say or yeah. everything that more sensible people have to say. And we run to our corners yeah. and all of a sudden you're not willing to have the conversations yeah. we need to, and build the bridges that yeah. we need in this culture. Yeah. I OK, good. Thanks for letting me vent to start, because, I, you know, shame on The Washington Post for, for writing stuff like this. Shame on places like Fox News for having certain people, you know, with certain views that are that are way to yep. another side of yep. things like we've yep. just these major publications need to go like all right how can i be part of a solution and that's this, it how can i be part this of this is not it. yeah you're exactly right this is yep. just not it yeah you know aubrey today i keep giving you every feels like every day is like a big moment in our in our family like a last as my daughter graduates this friday today tonight on a middle of the week a wednesday before graduation Getting all dressed up for prom. Oh, fun. I can't wait to see the pictures later yeah, tonight. That's yeah, awesome. Fun. It's fun. So prom is this week, uh, is tonight, graduation this weekend. I'm ready just for summer, just to be done with all I of this. I am too. I'm just so to be ready done for summer. I'm ready to be done with like carpool and getting my kids up. And like, I'm excited. Like next week, my son has an orchestra concert, but I'm also like, really? Can we just like, let's just end the activities. I'm over it. I'm ready for summer too. Let's go. Let's go. So we are glad to have you with us today. And if you've, if you've missed any of our shows this week, we would love for you to go get them at the podcast, wherever it is, you get your podcast, just subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com. All right. J.I. Packer famously wrote Knowing God. You and I were joking. (laughs) Knowing God is one of those books that every Christian is supposed to have read. Right. But it takes a certain type of person to be able to get through it. I'm not one of those people. I am not one either. 
And it I is. yeah, yep. I I don't actually feel that shame for it, but it is one of those books that like we sh- quote unquote should have read. So it feels like there's a there's there's a top five list here of top five list every Christian of books every Christian was supposed to read but you <laughs> but couldn't get it? through. Oh, that's actually really funny. We should uh, remember that. Knowing God is on that list for me. Yep. Spirit of the Disciplines, right? Uh, oh, no, yep. no, 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 no. What was Dallas Willard's big one? Was it Spirit of the Disciplines? Fruit, fruit of the. Uh, uh, one of the the one of the famous Willard Dallas books. Willard ones. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what about told, mere, mere Christianity? Mere Christianity yep. might be number one on that yep. list for me. I started yep. that book probably four times when I was at Wheaton, <laughs> uh, but I was never able to uh, to get through it. So uh, those are all of the ones that uh, we would try to get through. But knowing God, it's a classic. It's a it's a classic, and in it. Uh, J.I. Packer starts to write about many things, but he writes about the, the Christian secret of a Christian life and a mm. God honoring life. And, uh, Justin Taylor wrote this a few years ago, Gospel Coalition. I thought it was great. And Aubrey, quite frankly, it goes a lot with your book, which will probably be on that list for me at some point. Books I couldn't get through. <laughs> hey, hey, Brian, don't you mean you've read it several times and right, you love underlined it? Underlined them all. Yes. So, uh, the Christian secret of a Christian life and of a God honoring life. He says that he would take the following six truths and quote say them over and over to yourself first thing in the morning last Mm. thing at night as you wait for the bus anytime your mind is free (laughs) and ask that you may be enabled to live as one who knows it is all utterly and Mm. completely true so i'm going to read this list of six to you but first let me ask you this question the importance of saying truths to ourselves over and over again, of reciting scripture, mm-hmm. of reciting these truths, like he says, when you wake up, when you go to bed, this is something that a lot of us ignore doing, but is super important, right? Yeah, it is funny. Like, I think our tendency is to kind of be like, I don't need to do that. I don't need to have like, you know, mantras or like rehearse things, you know, again and again and again. But I, this is how we... This is how we take a message and we um, internalize it is by rehearsing it, literally rehearing it again and again and again. And this is how like God's word and truth about God gets deeply rooted in us. And so I I think it's actually a really good spiritual practice to, you know, this is I think why worship songs are so powerful, because it's so easy Mm, to remember a song that that immediately brings to mind truths like as you're singing those songs again and again this is another version of that absolutely and so packer is going to list six things that he says uh straight out of scripture that we should say to ourselves over and over and over again Mm -hmm. let's do this robert i'm going to read all six okay and I, i would love to hear from you uh about these as a collection, and then maybe we'll dive into one or two of them. He says, these are the six things he reminds himself over and over again. I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. Mm. Take those as a collection. What do you think of those? Yeah, I I mean... I think this is so beautiful, right? I mm. I especially think the first two, I am a child of God and God is my father, is so important. This is actually, I mean, we were kind of joking about my book, Known, before. It's part of why I wrote Known is because uh-huh. I was coming across 
and I'm sure you do too, Brian, in church leadership, like so many Christians who actually don't know they have a good God who loves them and is for them. Mm -hmm. Like so many Christians think God is ashamed of them, mad at them, angry at them, um, and don't understand like the fact, no, God is a father. And, and that's the father that we get in the image of the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son, who's like running after us, even in our sinfulness, right. And embracing us with love and with welcome. And that we are a child of God, like thinking about our adoption, we're no longer slaves, but we're children. And that we are a welcomed member of the family of God that makes Jesus our brother that makes, um, us heirs of the inheritance that God as our father has for us. Like there's so much beauty and richness to it. It's ultimately the gospel, but we so easily think like, Oh, I have a God who's not good and isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Even though that's not biblical truth. Like God is a good God who is for you. And so I, that's, I think this is so, this message right here is so crucial. Whether you've been a Christian for 40 years or you're a brand new Christian, we all need this reminder again and again and again. God is our loving father. We are his children. Yeah. I, you know how when you preach on a regular basis or you go around speaking, or maybe you feel this as an author, that I, I find the things that I go back to the most in my sermons. Like we, you, when you preach on a weekly basis, you mm-hmm. realize I'm kind of saying the same totally. thing. I kind of yeah. go back to the same things. Yeah. And I really do believe that we go back to the things that we probably most need to hear. Absolutely. And we probably most need in our own lives. Yeah. I would say in the last five years, uh, this line, this literal line, I'm a child of God, is probably might be the number one thing I've preached on. Really? It might be the number one thing that comes out of my sermons. Mm. And it, it has made me go. I, I just think because I haven't always seen God in that way, yeah. this idea, and, and I always try to link uh, link it to how do I view my own children? How do mm-hmm. I treat my kids? Right. And I, yeah. I tell our congregation, and again, I think I just do this because I need to hear this. Mm-hmm. I regularly tell our congregation, I would be the worst father in the world if I brought my kids to me at night and said, let's think about how you, uh, what you did for me today. And then I will dispense my love for you yeah, like right, uh, based right. on that. But how many of us treat God that way? Totally. As if he is that, car- but yet we read, he's the perfect father, like mm-hmm. better than any of us. I love my kids unconditionally. It doesn't mean that they don't get in trouble yeah, and that things. Right. I love my kids because they're my kids, not because, Period. And, and so I feel myself going back to that one all the time. Yeah. God is our father. Yeah. Uh, we are his children because mm-hmm. it really does change completely uh, how we view God. Right. But what, what makes that difficult for us to grasp? So I, I want to say something. I want to say it carefully here. So hear me out. Hear the whole thing. Okay. I'm ready. I, you and I, Brian, we kind of have similar church backgrounds as far as like denominationally. I feel like I have sat and most Christians have sat under way too many well-meaning pastors, and I've probably done this myself, who have constantly reminded us how sinful, broken, Mm -hmm. terrible, awful, unworthy, etc., warped, ugly that we Mm -hmm. are. And because of that, you know, God is so good because he sent Jesus for us now. I never want to minimize the reality of our sin and our brokenness. That is why what Jesus did for us on the cross, one of the reasons why 
what Jesus did from the cross is so incredible because we are sinners. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, when we didn't deserve it. All of that is true. Okay. Mm. But what I think we have sort of unconsciously done as a church is continued to let people think they are living in their Adam or Eve identity and not told them that they're living in their Jesus Christ new identity. And something has to switch because we have so, I mean, Barna just came out with this research that said one of the number one reasons people aren't growing in Christ is because they don't know that they're worthy. They feel Mm. inadequate. Something has to change in the way we preach the gospel message that says like, yes, sin, but now you're new. Now Mm. you're alive. Now you're not who you once were. Let's call people to walk in their Jesus identity, not their Adam and Eve identity anymore. That's really good. That's really good. So again, Jay Packer, the six things, and I think all of us could go a long way. Uh, It would do a lot for us if we just rehearse these. This Mm -hmm. is out of his book, Knowing God. I'm a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. What a, what a really helpful list there. Yeah, beautiful. From J.I. Packer. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. And one thing, Aubrey, that we love to do with our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram each week is to throw out a question out there. And we've yeah. begun referring to this as the social media water cooler. That's right. I'll be, you and I have never really worked in offices, but, you know, kind of old school office concept yes. is there's a water cooler and people would take a break and kind of gather around said water cooler yep. and talk about last night's game or the show everybody watched or politics or the current events of the day. The water cooler is kind of where people gathered. I do. When I, when, even when I say that, I, I'm picturing not just the office. I'm picturing like the Wonder Years, like the old school, like, you know, a guy like, in a suit. Really, like, he's got his like short, he's got his like short sleeve button up shirt on and like the brown tie. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and, and so uh, that's what we're going to do. You know, the social media water cooler now, the water cooler, I should say, of our day is social media. That's right. It's where people go to share news about their family. It's where people go to weigh in about, uh, you know, current events mm-hmm. or whatever else it might be. So with that in mind, let's go to the old water cooler today. Right. Aubrey, what, what was our question of the week? This one was very fun. And this was honor in honor of your daughter, Madeline, who graduates in just a couple days and all of the graduates out there. We wanted to know what you thought the best sort of like end of school summer themed quote unquote graduation songs are that you can think of what's that song that just makes you think like school's out it's time to celebrate and we got some really good ones brian before we dive into this you said you kind of struggled coming up with a graduation song did anything come to your mind over the past few days so once you said to me, you know, it's just like end of school summertime. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was I was really locked in on graduation. Yeah. You're thinking right? like, dun, 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 yeah, or like, dun, you yeah. know, it seems like the one song Stephen Curtis Chapman hasn't written a song for. <laughs> right. You got your wedding. You got your funeral. There should be right. one for graduation. Like, right. And so I was really locked in on that going. I don't know. Now, once you just said end of school, yeah, summertime, some of the ones I saw from people. 
Are we allowed? We're allowed to talk about Will Smith, right? Like he hasn't uh, been fully canceled these days. I don't think he's been fully canceled. Summertime. Uh, summertime, right? Yeah. Will Smith summertime. Like yeah. that's kind of an anthem of the Definitely. summertime. And uh, so once you once you unlocked my mind, like get yes. off of just graduation, yeah. I was able to do this. Nice. But when you first did it, I was like, I don't know of you were one like, I don't know graduation, any graduation song. song. <laughs> I don't know any. Now, being that because now it's my child graduating this week. It opens a whole new doorway yeah. to, to butterfly kisses, butterfly kisses right. and cats in the cradle and right. uh, <laughs> all of these songs. But uh, yeah, no, for me, um, I, "Summertime" by Will Smith was yeah, the first one that came one. to mind for that's me. That's a really good one. Okay, so he, I, I I threw some out. School's out for the summer. Summertime. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. The soundtrack from the Graduate, the movie. Here's mm. what other people added. Okay, I don't know if you remember this song. I think this was on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Baz Luhrmann's "Everybody's Free." Nope. Somebody put that one on there. Uh, somebody put "We Are the Champions" and "Free Bird." <laughs> free <laughs> that Bird. That's yeah. not bad. <laughs> right. A lot of freedom ones here. That's a lot for of freedom sure. ones. This was a good one. This was actually from your sister-in-law, Brian. "Good Riddance" by Green Day. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That's a good goodbye song. I also put the song "Graduate" by Third Eye Blind. Can I graduate? Do you remember that one? It goes, not da, at da, all. Da, so they da, are legitimately da. a graduation yeah, song. It's a graduation song. Somebody else. I don't know this one. It's by a band, Vitamin C. It's called Graduation Song. <laughs> yep. Well, that that yep. literally answers the yep. question. Brian, there's one you're really going to like. I'm going to save it for the end, though. Okay. Uh, Forever Young, Today oh. by the Smashing Pumpkins. I've never heard of this one through Fire and Flame by Dragon Force. Uh, somebody liked this idea so much. They said they're... they're uh, teacher for seniors they're going to ask this in their classroom and let us know so that'll be kind of fun uh, our own executive producer keith conrad said you don't have to go home but you can't stay here <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a funny one yeah, you know what i also song. thought of in this one less graduation song more like prom songs oh, you know yes. like kind of uh-huh. the end uh-huh. uh and now that see we we'll we'll save that for another time. I think, yeah, that'd because be good. Top five prom songs. songs it, yeah. it, it starts and ends with Eric Clapton's "Wonderful Tonight," but like <laughs> you know, you just kind of think. I, I do yeah. like some of these now. Now I got them. I, I'd like to think of these songs as you know, your summer, your your laying by the pool. What just kind of gives you that vibe? If that's the case, less yeah, graduation, more those. summertime. Yeah, let's hear those. It's got to be the Beach Boys, right? It has to oh, be anything. The Beach Boys. It has to be anything kind by the Beach throwback. Boys, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Those, that's very. That's like quintessential summer. Yeah. That's yeah. that's very true. There's a song I didn't think this one counted, although I'm just gonna throw it out there. When I was growing up. I loved the, I mean, it's funny, like I was a little girl listening to this old school punk rock band, the Ramones. Did you and, really? Yes. <laughs> and I still have like many of their records. I was a big Ramones fan growing up and they had a movie that was not appropriate for me to be watching, but I did watch it as a little girl. And they had a soundtrack called Rock and Roll High School and uh, rock, 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 rock and roll high school. And I feel like that's a good end of school one as well. It's a really fun punk rock that's one. Really, okay, but I, Brian. I'm having trouble getting beyond the fact that you as a younger child yes. were listening to the yes. Ramones and watching inappropriate Ramones I was, movies. I, I mean, this is actually, I'll go off on a tangent for a second. I don't know if my parents know like what I was watching but I would be like sick from home in elementary school and my mom would always go to the video store and get me movies when I was sick 
Aubrey, what movie do you want us to get? Please get me Rock and Roll High School, the movie. And so my parents would get it for me. And that's what I would sit in. There's some stuff in there that I should not have seen as a young girl, for that's sure. Funny. Many most of scenes. Us, most fact. of us stayed home from school and just watched The Price is Right. No, and that's not all me. Not right, me. Before, before you give me the special one, yeah, and yeah. I, I promise I haven't looked at them, I okay. wonder if this is where it's going to go because I just had another idea about summertime okay, songs. Hear. Yeah. It's High School Musical, too. It's High School Musical, too, Brian. It's High School Musical, too. Yes, it obviously <laughs> is. It obviously is. What time is it? Summertime. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised because you're a, you're an avid, unashamed High School Musical lover. To the point that, and I say this unashamedly, <laughs> if I were home alone and not and there, there was no game on that I wanted yeah. to watch or something, and I was just going through the guide, right. and I saw one of the high school musicals on. You'd, you'd stop and watch it. It's a really good chance that I'd go watch that for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, they are awesome movies. We're not yes. go, I'm not going to lie. So, yes, from high school musical to uh, what time is it? It is summertime. Okay, I'm glad are, that I'm, that's the social media water cooler. I feel like our people know us. I feel like they get <laughs> they us. They know us. And totally. Yes, that is it. All right, Aubrey. Sometimes uh, we tackle really difficult subjects. Mm-hmm. The beginning of today's show, we talked about white supremacy, yeah, abortion, heavy. and other. That's a heavy topic. That's yeah. a controversial topic. But then we like cal- uh, uh, some palate cleansers. And mm-hmm. one of the ways we do that is through quizzes. We do our top five lists. We do yeah. Jerk or Justified, all these other things. But oftentimes you will at, you will send a quiz my way. Yes, I love quizzing you. Or we'll bring your husband you. on mm-hmm. and we will go at it one-on-one, your husband right. and I, in a quiz. But we're, we're going to flip the script today. Ooh. And I am going to give you a quiz because anyone who's been around this show knows Aubrey loves her family. She loves Jesus. <laughs> But maybe even more than that, Aubrey loves the Avengers. Is that fair? Yeah, that's accurate. That is fair. If if I had to choose between the Avengers and my family, it's close. It might take me a minute. Yeah, it's at least close. So, Aubrey, with that in mind, we're going to do a little quiz, and it is this: Avengers quote or Bible verse. This will be good. Basically, I'm going to give you a quote, and you have to tell me if it is from the Marvel, a Marvel movie or a verse okay. from the Bible. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you this. ready? All this right. It's going to be fun. We'll see how many okay. we get through. There's 25. I'm not saying we'll get through oh, all yeah, of them, but yeah. here we go. Okay. All right. First line. There's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. That is Avengers. Feels like it has to be, right? Yeah. That is Captain America in the Avengers. Woohoo! All right. Next one. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. I'm going to go with Bible on that one. Okay, let's see. That is Romans chapter 13, verse 4. That felt did, very King Jamesy, but I'm not sure. I did not know sure. the word. Yeah, I've never heard avenger in Romans, so that's pretty awesome. I like it. Okay, I, I'm hoping these get harder. Here we go. With great power comes great responsibility. That is Spider-Man. That is Avengers, although there oh, is scripture that looks just like it. I do want you to tell me if you know which Avengers movie they are, because that's impressive. Oh, You're okay. right. Okay. That is Uncle Ben in Spider-Man. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. That is the Bible, which sounds like Spider-Man. <laughs> sounds like Luke chapter 12, verse 48, okay? Uh, beautiful people never know whom to trust. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go Bible. That is incorrect. <gasps> 
that is that is Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume <laughs> I Two. Drax. I love Drax. Uh, number six. We will work together to be an example of how we, as brothers and sisters on this earth, should treat one another. That's definitely the Bible. That sounds very Avengers, though. That is uh, the Black Panther. How do you say T'Challa? T'Challa. No, that's not. Is it really? Yes. Yeah, this Black is Panther. a good quiz. This is good. Okay. Uh, if no one saves us, we will surrender to you. Okay, I'm going to go Bible. Oh, I would have guessed the other. Oh, you are correct. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 11, <laughs> verse 3. All right, number eight. The church is in the exact center of the city. The elders determined everybody should be equally close to God. Oh, man. I'm going to go Avengers. That is Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron. (laughs) I I did not know who said that. Number nine, devise a plan. It will fail. Make a prediction. It will not happen. Uh, let's also go Bible on that. That's Bible. That feels like a proverb, right? Yeah, that feels like a proverb to me, too. Isaiah chapter 8, verse oh, 10. Oh, well, okay, okay, but you we got were, Bible we correct. Bible, yeah. All right, number 10. I shouldn't be alive unless it was for a reason. I finally know what I have to do. I'm going Avengers, but that's good. That one is Tony Stark in Iron nice. Man. Nice. Number 11. Calm down and be quiet. Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks. <laughs> That's definitely Bible. That one is Isaiah chapter 7, There's verse no 4. smoldering snick, sticks and They definitely went to the prophets for a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, these are yeah, good. it's good. The bright lore of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power. Oh, man, I'm going Avengers. Yeah, this is fun. I don't know the answer to these, so I'm kind of doing this This with you. I think I would have guessed Avengers as well. This is fun. That is Loki in the Avengers. Wow, that does sound very biblical, though. Wow. If you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm going Bible? I think so, too. That is... We're back to Isaiah. Isaiah okay, chapter man, 1, verse 20. They got a lot from Isaiah. <laughs> they, did. they did. By the way, this is from Lifeway, by the way, who this put this out. This is hilarious. Whoever took the time to do it, I love it. Number 14, I was formed before ancient times from the beginning before the earth began. Oh, I'm going Bible. Doesn't it have to be Bible? I mean, it's possible. Feels. Proverbs chapter 8, Phew. verse 23. Okay. okay. Oh, just a simple question in this one. Uh-oh. Is this your king? Is this, is your, this king? your king? That's isn't that Avengers. Jesus? Isn't that the, that's a really. That I was going to say that's when oh, Jesus, Jesus is on, on trial, the cross, right? But they also do that in Black Panther. You already said Avengers, so we're going Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. That is Eric Killmonger in the Black in Panther. In Black Panther, yep. There you he's, go. He's fighting T'Challa, and he's like, "Is this your king?" Yep. All right. Uh, Number 16, there is grace in their failings. There is grace in their failings. There is grace in their failings. Oh, man. I'll go Bible. Nope. That is vision in Avengers Mm. Age of Ultron. You were on a good run there. All right, number 17, the strong man who has known power all his life may lose respect for that power, but a weak man knows the value of strength and knows compassion. Uh, Bible? 
That is Abraham Erskine in Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, I am not very familiar with Captain America, the first Avenger. Wow, right, that was good. 18. That sounded biblical, didn't it? Didn't sounded it? like a proverb. Yeah. Yep. Number 18, challenge incites conflict. Conflict breeds catastrophe. Oh, man. Let's go man, Avengers. Does that sound like a proverb, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it does. I'm going Avengers, though. That is vision in Captain America hey, Civil War. Wow. Couple more. Okay, Whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. All right. I'm going to go Bible, but that is definitely a weird translation. That is Proverbs chapter 1, okay. verse 33. Okay. In times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. That's Avengers. Really, that sounded like a proverb to me. That is T'Challa. Am I saying that right? In yep. Black Panther? Yep. You're good at this. Uh, number 21, a wise king never seeks out war, but he must always be ready for it. That I'm sounds going like Avengers. Avengers. Yeah, I'm that going Avengers. Like Avengers. That one is uh, Odin in Thor. Oh, number nice. 22, sometimes patience is the no, key to Connery. victory. Sorry, go ahead. Sometimes patience is the key to victory. Yep. Oh, that's it? Uh, yep. Avengers. That is Captain America in Spider-Man Homecoming. Good. Nice. Three more. We'll get through okay. these fast. This is fun. All right, let's a go. King's Fury is a messenger of death, but a wise person appeases it. Mm, Proverbs. Uh, Bible. Not only the Bible, but you called it Proverbs <gasps> 16, 14. Yes. Two more. Ooh, arrogance okay. and fear. Arrogance and fear still keep you from learning the simplest and most significant lesson of all. Avengers. That feels like Avengers. That is the ancient one in Doctor Strange. Ah. Last one. Kay. He will die because there is no discipline and be lost because of his great stupidity. I'm going Avengers. That one is Proverbs chapter 5, oh, verse 23. Look at that. Man, so, that was Aubrey, good. You, out of 25, you got 20. You did oh, well. 20 wow. out of 25. Okay, that's better than I would have thought. And I don't know what they mean by this, but because you got 20 out of yes. 25, you are you are called Avenger Leader. Yes, finally. You are an Avenger Leader. We're going to come back with some more of those games in good. the future. I that like was that. That was Avengers good. quote. Or Bible verse. Two of Aubrey's favorite things. Man. Uh, it's a big day for Brian. His daughter's got prom tonight. Oh, man. Yes. Woo. Very, very exciting. I remember those days. How are you feeling about your daughter going to prom, Brian? Oh, I feel good. She's mostly just going with friends. Yeah. And, oh, that's going to uh, be fun. So it will be really fun. But you are right. It is so weird. And I know you and I, we've been at this stage for a little while in our yeah. life now. Yeah. But when you vividly remember, and it doesn't feel like that long ago when you were doing these things like I I remember the proms that I went to vividly and it does not feel like you know 30 years ago 25 years ago so it's just weird now to have a daughter doing I know that thing. isn't it so weird like yeah. I feel like I mean I don't feel like I was just there but it definitely I mean I remember my prom very very vividly so right. it is wild to think like our kids are at that age like yours are, are coming at the coming close to that age anyway mm -hmm. so crazy well if you've missed any of today's show we had a really fun good uh first hour you can go catch up on our podcast wherever it is you cast your pods we love connecting with you on social media 
We are at Common Good Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, Brian, so we just talked about prom. It is also graduation Mm -hmm. week, and a lot of you out there have kids graduating, grandkids graduating. Maybe you're about to graduate. And so one of the things that we like to do do here on The Common Good is go on a deep dive of inspirational commencement speeches yeah and i was uh, i kind of took a note from your toolbox took a tool from your toolbox <laughs> and uh, <Yes. laughs> went on went on youtube and just literally typed in inspirational commencement speeches and this denzel washington one popped up and you know it's denzel right yes. so you know it's gonna be good he i he just talks so i mean he preaches basically about putting god first to the graduates he's speaking to let's go ahead and take a listen to that Put God first. Put God first in everything you do. Everything that you think you see in me, everything that I've accomplished, everything that you think I have, and I have a few things. Everything that I have is by the grace of God. Understand that. It's a gift. 40 years ago, March 27th, 1975, it was 40 years ago, Uh, Just this past March, I was flunking out of college. I had a 1.7 grade point average. I hope none of you can relate. (laughs) I had a 1.7 grade point average. I was sitting in my mother's beauty shop. They still call it beauty shops now, but they call it... Yeah, I was sitting in the beauty parlor. I was sitting in my mother's beauty parlor, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I see behind me this woman under the dryer, and every time she looked up, she every time I looked up, she was looking at me, just looking me in the eye. And I didn't know who she was, and I said, you know, she said, somebody give me a pen, give me a pencil, I have a prophecy. March 27, 1975, she said, boy, you are going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. Now, mind you, I flunked out of college. I'm thinking about joining the Army. I didn't know what I was going to do, and she's telling me I'm going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. Well, I have traveled the world, and I have spoke to millions of people. But that's not the most important thing, the success that I had. The most important thing is that what she taught me and what she told me that day has stayed with me since. I've been protected. I've been directed. I've been corrected. I've kept God in my life and has kept me humble. I didn't always stick with him, but he always stuck with me. So stick with him. In everything you do, if you think you want to do what you think I've done, then do what I've done and stick with God. All right, Brian. I I don't know. Hearing Denzel Washington just be like, look, if you want to be where you think I am, you do that by pursuing God and Mm. talking about. I had never heard him tell this story before where when he was younger, somebody prophesied over him that he would one day like grow up and and speak to millions, influence millions. And he was a boy who had like no confidence, couldn't imagine doing that. And now Denzel Washington has obviously spoken, impacted, influenced way more than millions. And I, I just love that here is a guy who is as successful as you can get but reminding people like it's about God. It's not about you. You got to pursue God. I also like the way he kind of phrased like you if you want to have what you think I have, like he's kind of hinting at like you might make some assumptions about me that aren't actually true. Either way, it's God. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I I'm always inspired by 
people like pointing us back to God, but especially somebody with like the stature of Denzel Washington, don't you think? And it's surprising. I don't know why it's surprising, but anytime you hear like a a very famous Hollywood actor being like talking about God and his relationship with Jesus. And it does always surprise me. He elder uh, feels like Denzel's kind of become a little bit of an elder statesman, right? Like he's the one who went and tried to talk to Will Smith after that infamous yeah, slap right, at the Oscars. Right. But I think this is great for graduates. This is great. You could preach this from the pulpit, right? Mm-hmm. You could preach this exact thing right here. And so I, I have great respect for him. And it is inspiring. And it reminds us the role God plays in our yeah. lives and yeah. kind of the hierarchy and what it what is really important as we dream dreams and as we look to move forward in our career or whatever else it might be. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me. Okay, this is not the same because you're right. Like Denzel is, is like an elder statesman, like so much dignity, so much poise. So it, some people might be offended that I'm making this connection but hear me out. I have been watching the new season of the Kardashians on Hulu. <laughs> and, you know, they are who they are unapologetically. But what I didn't really realize about them is they're constantly talking about Jesus. They're constantly mm-hmm. praying to their heavenly father before uh, meals, before events, when they're faced with crises. And, you know, their lives may not look like sort of the deeply evangelical lives that you and I live like as far as like the culture that we're in they're in a very different culture and experience and yet like I'm always like oh okay I didn't realize like they had such a devout faith that faith was part of their faith was at least part of their journey and Mm. someone like Denzel I think all along he's been a man of faith and a man of integrity stayed true to his wife um like you said, kind of stepped in this with the Will Smith controversy and has tried to be, I think, in Hollywood, a voice that rises above and a voice that uh, like a steady voice rather than like swayed culturally and in all of the Hollywood mess. He seems to be a person of no nonsense. Mm. And I imagine if you were one of those students at that commencement speech, that meant so much to you. So, I, you know, I just think wherever we are, like, that's a good word. Put God first. That doesn't yes. mean you're necessarily going to have the same path that Denzel Washington has had. Maybe not see that same kind of success. But at the end of the day, that's what real success is. I think that's what he's saying is the pursuit of God and wherever God leads. So anyway, we hope that encourages you. If you need something to do on this Wednesday evening, go on YouTube, type in inspirational commencement speeches, and you will find some really good content. Brian, if I was to ask you if you felt confident or insecure, let's say let's say it's a scale, okay? Insecure over to the left, confident over to the right, and perhaps let's put it in a category, like maybe as a church leader. Mm. Where would you where would you put because I'm sure if you thought of different categories, like as a dad, you might feel more confident than you do as a, I don't know, a politician, <laughs> but in categories. Right. So let's a clown. Go, yeah. 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 Uh, so let's go church leader. Like, where are you on that on that spectrum? Uh, I would definitely lean towards insecure. Um, OK. Yeah. I yeah. think when it comes to leadership in general. Uh, I don't think I'm one of these, I know exactly, follow me. I I think I tend to some insecurity of like, I don't know, am I getting this right? Or what do people think of me? Or am I doing the right thing? And so 
Uh, I think I think I am less insecure than I probably was at uh, younger years of my life. But I think when it comes to leadership, and in this case, church leadership, uh, I think I'll always. Uh, I think Vanita will point towards insecurity uh, primarily. So, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I again, it always depends on the it. It depends on the situation. Like I would say. If do I walk into a room knowing I know just how to lead this church or these people in this situation? No way. Mm-hmm. But I I feel like and this is probably true for you as I kind of put myself in situations that are uncomfortable, say yes to things that I feel like I'm out of my depth. I do grow in confidence like, oh, maybe mm. Maybe I'm more equipped than I think I am. Kevin and I talk about this a lot. I don't know if you and Carrie talk about this a lot, but sometimes we'll be with some of the younger people in our churches, like in a small group setting or something, and they're asking questions. And we realize simply because of our age, season of life and experience, we actually know like we have some wisdom and advice to give them. And that's been a little bit wild because suddenly you and I, I think talked about this the other day, like we're sort of at the age where we are now the mentors and not the other way around. Not that you can't keep mentoring, but like, I think we actually know more and are more equipped than we think we are. And probably like can walk in a bit more confidence than we allow ourselves to. And I also think other people are more insecure than you think. So, yeah, that's totally true. Sometimes I'll think, wow, I'm insecure, but look at that pastor over there or that lady there. They are solely like they are brimming with self-confidence. And then I get to know them and I'm like, nope, they aren't. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, actually, they're a normal human being. But I think, yeah, I think you make a great point that mm -hmm. as we get older, you start to go, oh, I do know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I am am able to speak into this, Yeah, which is the irony, because when we're in our mid-20s, we think we can speak (laughs) into everything, and we do, and we shouldn't. And then when we're in our 40s, 50s, 60s, we should speak into things, but we're probably a lot more tempered by that. Yeah, isn't that so funny? Remember when we we talked, this was a while ago, it was an article that came out about Bono that he like hates his own singing voice as like yes. his own worst critic. And we were like, dude, you're Bono, yeah. you know? So I think that is, that's so true. I think we are so much more insecure. Even the most successful are more yes. insecure than we can even imagine, which in some ways is like good news. Like, okay, we're all just human. We're all just like doing the best we can here. Um, okay, so the reason that I asked you that question is because over at churchleaders.com, Gavin Adams shared six things you can do now to grow more confident. And this is whether you're a church leader or not. You're just like a human being. Here are six things to grow in confidence. Okay, let me uh, let me read you the first couple, and then okay. we can respond to them. So one is be hyper honest with yourself. Mm. And he says it can be challenging to receive feedback, mainly because we focus on the criticism and we pass off compliments. But feedback is a primary tool for growth, and growth is a primary tool of future confidence. So don't see feedback as a judgment of your worth, but of your performance and grow from there. Okay, that's Mm. a pretty strong one. Two, he says, uh, take more risks. Uh, Failure is not your enemy. Fearing failure is what truly cripples people. I think that's a good word for me. We'll come back to that. And then three, surround yourself with positive people. Take a moment and think about how your friends make you feel. Do they lift you up or do they bring you down? Mm. So those are the first three. There's six of them. So that's the first half. Will any of those stand out to you, Brian? 
Yeah, I think number one, uh, an important one, being hyper honest with yourself. Are you taking... And sometimes when we talk about just being honest with yourself, it means, hey, you know, don't be so overconfident. You need to know the bad things that you do and all this. But actually, the truth is, for a lot of us, we need to be hyper honest and go, you know what? I'm not all bad. Like, I can do this job or I can do this task or I do. That's why they talked in this about actually hearing the compliments as well. And so I think that one's uh, a good one. I also fear of failure, I think, is something or taking more risks is something that I struggle with. Uh, uh, risk taking is not necessarily part of my DNA. So what about you? What's yeah, out? I, the one that I kind of mentioned I, this that risk taking thing, too, is I, I do. I do like if I get asked to do something where I'm like, I've just never done anything like that before it makes me so nervous, like Mm. to the point where I'm like, I'll just give you an example. I recently spoke at this theological conference and look, I am not a theologian. I am not a professor. And I was like, I, I cannot do this. This is so scary. I wish I would have said no. Like the whole way driving over there, I was like, I shouldn't have said yes. I shouldn't have said yes. It went wonderfully. And so I think I just need to like gear myself up a little bit more for like, it's okay to step into situations that feel risky because God may do something there. Um, but it does take confidence to do that. But you grow in confidence after that. Okay, mm-hmm. here's the next three, and then we'll respond okay. to those. Okay. Number four, set clear goals. We've all heard this before, like set goals. You can actually like smart goals. You can track them. You mm-hmm. can accomplish them. Five, get things done. Accomplishments build confidence. And then six, I like this one. Be kind to yourself. Self-compassion involves treating yourself with kindness when you make a mistake. It allows you to become emotionally flexible and helps you better navigate challenging emotions, enhancing your connection to yourself and others. All right. Those last three, anything stand out to you? Yeah, I, I all of them do, but uh, quite yeah. frankly, but setting clear goals. I mean, like, okay, this is what I'm shooting for. Uh, and and th- where I can struggle is setting specific goals. Like, uh, you know, we're trying to do this exact thing, or I'm trying to, you know, th- think about someone who's trying to lose weight. Like, I'm trying to lose yeah. this many pounds, yeah. and here's how I'm going to do it. Here's the plan, as opposed to, hey, you know what? I want to lose a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen, right? If you just do it that way. So I think not just setting clear goals, but setting specific goals with plans. Yeah. And knowing how you're going to get there is something I'm desperately need, trying to grow in, yeah. in my own life. It's just not how I work. Yeah, I, I'm this. I mean, this is kind of a weird thing. I I do sort of set goals, but they're not. They're not. Um, like you were just saying, they're not goals where it's like, okay, and then here's how I'm going to do it. X, Y, Z. Like, I don't like, I'm not a futurist really, Mm -hmm. but I'll, but I'll say, okay, I'd like to write a book about this next thing. And then I'll sit and write it, but it's more, it's a little more organic than like, let by month five, I will have done this by month six, I will have done this. So I, that's definitely an area I could grow in and would probably help build confidence as well. Okay, so those are six ways that you can begin investing in your own confidence. Now, let me end with this. The article ends with three questions to help you gauge your confidence, okay? One, how do I feel before a certain activity, task, or interaction? Two, how do I feel after? And three, what can I do next time to feel more confident? Hopefully that encourages you to grow in your confidence. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some good news. It is the end of the show. 
And at the end of the show, we like to bring you something inspiring, encouraging, challenging, something to put a smile on your face. And we've been turning to The Week to find good news each and every week. They gather just stories from uh, the internet that are just, they're just bright. They'll, they'll put, a little, put a little smile on your face. So, uh, Brian, this was from last week. And I'm going to read the first one for you. Ready? I'm ready. All right. A third grade class in Arizona, oh man, was surprised with full scholarships to college. Man. These stories always remind me of the office episode. Scott, Scott's Tots. Scott's Tots. It's, it's, <laughs> thankfully, it seems like this this story is not going to fail the kids. Here's what it says. Ten years ago, 84 third grade students at Michael Anderson School in Avondale, Arizona, were surprised with the gift of an opportunity. In 2012, a foundation launched its College Promise Program and announced that they would be giving the students full-ride college scholarships once they graduated from high school. Erica Valdez was one of those students, and she told the Washington Post that knowing she had a scholarship and wouldn't graduate with debt was so motivating it made everything more real. It changed the course of my life. She just finished her freshman year at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. I've heard great things about that school, by the way, where she is studying criminal justice and forensic science. The foundation decided to repeat their generosity with a new generation, and during an assembly last month, 63 third graders at Bernard Black Elementary School in Phoenix learned that they would receive full scholarships to college. There was not a dry eye in the house. Isn't that cool? Oh, I can't imagine. Number Love two. that. Uh, Nepali mountaineer breaks his own world record on Mount Everest. Oh, man. A Kami Rita Sherpa makes climbing Mount Everest look easy. As of Saturday, it's something the 52-year-old Nepali mountaineer has done 26 times. He first set the record for most Mount Everest summits in 2018 by tw- uh, of 22 and broke that record twice in 2019. The 2020 climbing season was canceled because of COVID, and in May of 2021, Kami Rita was back at it, summiting the world's tallest peak for the 25th time. Wow. Kami Rita's father was one of the first professional guides to help international climbers summit Mount Everest. As a young wow. teenager, Kami Rita began working as a porter, bringing gear up to Everest Base Camp, and his first successful climb was in 1994 i mean this is something people try to like they yeah. build their whole lives yes. to do it one time and he has done it 26 times 26 times that is so impressive well very very cool all right uh this is a good one third story of the week the happy flower lady brightens people's bo- uh, days with her bouquets patricia gallagher almost always has a bouquet in her hands and a smile on her face. She's known as the happy flower lady around her neighborhood near Philadelphia. Since 2013, Gallagher has been going to grocery stores, event spaces, and funeral homes to collect bouquets and flower arrangements that are about to be discarded. She then passes them out to strangers, hoping to lift their spirits. Gallagher drives around to make her deliveries, often with her 91-year-old neighbor Ella in the passenger seat. Gallagher told CBS News they'll pull over and introduce themselves to people and ask if they'd like a bouquet. She Hmm. always asks if they'd like an extra one as well to pass along to a friend or relative. And nearly every person accepts her offer. Gallagher said she enjoys spreading joy to others and lives by the motto, do all the good you can in all the ways you can, whenever you can, while you can, for whoever you can. That's 
I'm trying to think if I would accept flowers from someone just offering them to me like randomly. Would you be like, uh, what's going on? What's wrong with these? What am I buying here? What's the catch? (laughs) Right, right. We're so cynical, right? That's right, aren't we? Aren't we? Because if someone came up to you and was like, here, ma'am, I've never met you. I'd just like you to have these flowers. I think you'd take them. I think I would take them, but I would definitely be like you, like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, just take this, and then they follow up with, and this timeshare, you know? Right, (laughs) exactly. Two more. Nora's Home gives transplant patients and their families space to heal. At Nora's Home in Houston, transplant patients and their families are given the chance to form friendships, make memories, and heal. Nora's Home is named in honor of Nora Gaber, who was just seven years old when she died in a car accident. To ensure her legacy lived on, her parents donated her organs and came up with the idea for Nora's Home, a place for transplant patients and their loved ones to stay while they received medical treatment. This is my home away from home, Bobby Channel told the TV station. Channel underwent a heart transplant on January 13th and he became friends with Faith Crouch when she moved into the room across from his after going through a lung transplant. Now the pair are dating. Stop it! Being at Nora's home, quote, kind of helped my soul heal while I was staying here, Crouch said. Natalie Lancioni, executive director of Nora's home, said she believes the real gift that Nora's home provides is that sense of community that you can only see and understand once you're inside our walls. Man, sermon illustration there. Sermon illustration. Sermon illustration. I'm also thinking like Hallmark movie. These two fall in love as they're recovering from uh, their transplant surgeries. All right. Here's the last story. This one is just about a group of show offs. We're going to be honest. Twin brothers are valedictorian and salutatorian. At their Texas <laughs> high school. You know the valedictorian's like, ha ha. Uh, All right. just a salutatorian? Come on. <laughs> when it comes to academics, Armand Saxena and Ronick Saxena bring out the best in each other. The 17-year-olds are fraternal twin brothers when they graduate from Katy High School in Katy, Texas later this month. Armand will be valedictorian and Ronak salutatorian. It was a close race with Ronak just half a point shy of being named valedictorian. Oh, it's painful. There are no hard feelings, though. The brothers say they have a friendly rivalry over who can get the best grades. If he got an A on the test, I'd be like, oh, I need to get this A as well, Ronick told the news station. Their parents, Sarah and Rohit Saxena, said it was important that from a young age, their sons focused on academics as well as sports. And now they both compete in math and chess tournaments and are on the golf team. This fall, the brothers will head to Rice University, where Armand plans to study statistics and business, and Ronick will focus on bio engineering congratulations to those twin brothers man pretty, that's uh, crazy pretty smart yeah, pretty smart although yeah. you you've got a daughter that's a, a smarty too is she a valedictorian or a salutatorian brian she, she is not but she is a national merit finalist so i mean because so, you start to learn i'm not saying that she would have been anyway but you start yeah. to learn like especially in bigger schools to be that like to be the valid Victorian, not only do you have to have like perfect grades, which a yeah. lot of kids actually end up doing. Yeah. You have to take it. You have to have taken literally every AP class you can, every <gasps> highest oh, level class that. you can because other kids are right. And so, oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty wild that way. Wow. And let's talk about the fact your daughter is a national merit scholar. That means she's like one of the smartest kids in the United States, right? Like uh, that's who the like, merit scholars I, are. 
am, am I allowed to just, you know, just brag, brag on, on your daughter? Just do to it. To be a national merit finalist, uh, that is less than 1% of graduating high school seniors <laughs> I mean, nationwide. I mean, I mean. Not and, 1%. It is less than 1%. And let me just say, she's tutoring my son in math. So How's he I, doing with that I now? feel like I have bragging rights. No, she, I'll just, we'll just tell the people. Madeline has helped my son Eli move his grade from I, I'm it was not a good math grade I'll just say that up to a B and it was a there big it was a big jump like he may have had to take the math class again and now he does it so thank you Madeline thank you Merit Scholars <laughs> thank you awesome. to the week for sharing good news with us all right and thank you for joining us today we'll be back again tomorrow from four to six p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.